Welcome back to Chad and Steve Have a Podcast. OG YouTuber and lifelong woodworker and engineer Matthias Wandel is joining us once again to talk about the state of YouTube and his channels, woodworking projects, and his 15th, 15th year on the platform. Matthias, welcome back. Oh, I guess it's been that long, huh? Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. You know, what's really just boggles my mind is there's kids who are like highly successful on YouTube right now that weren't even alive when you started posting videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird imagining growing up in a world where there has always been YouTube. I feel like... I feel like I have to ask you this because I watched Steve's amazing video about the history of woodworking on YouTube. And in 2006, we were introduced to Matthias Wandel. And I just wanted to find out what uh, what introduced you to YouTube. Where did you first come across YouTube in order to... Uh, uh, to Way back in 2006, which is a couple of years even before me... Um, uh, what was it that first attracted you to YouTube? It was actually 2007, and I had uh, some stuff about my marble machines, which made a very nice sort of sound. So I put the audio file of that on there just so people could listen to it. But it's like, well, video would be obviously even better. But the bandwidth for that was something that uh, with my hosting provider, I was kind of like, you know, if they send me a bill for that bandwidth, that is going to get really expensive. <laughs> um, so then... Uh, um, YouTube got bought by Google, so I became aware of it through that, you know, for, I don't know, was it $1.3 billion or something insane, it seemed at the time. And so it's like, hey, well, I don't just, why don't I just upload those uh, clips to YouTube and then link them in? And then some of those ended up doing fairly well. And uh, then in 2007, then I had my first sort of uh, viral video, which at the time was, you know, like tens of thousands of views, my marble adding machine. And since then, it's like, you know, it's like, well, maybe this will do well. And of course, you know, what does well has changed a lot. And I think around 2010, I decided that maybe I should take this a bit more serious. And I finally got myself a camera that could do better than 640 by 480. You know, back then, 640 by 480 is like 1080 now. <laughs> it's funny when you said 2010, because in 2010, I'd been posting for videos for a couple of years, but I always thought... You had it all together. You just had it together. I had no idea that that was like when you were still figuring it out too. I don't know. How has uh, how has it changed for you over the years? Do you still feel like you have that same sense of wonder about your channel and just trying things out and putting it up there? Or do you really are you really mindful of views and? keeping things going for the sake of the audience that you've built? Well, I certainly am mindful of views. You know, you try to adjust to see what does well. And it's like, if something does well, it's like more of that. <laughs> um, in terms of sense of wonder, I mean, the woodworking stuff has gotten kind of very established and, you know, not doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So some of my electronics <laughs> experiments... Are you talking about your woodworking or woodworking in general? Just the woodworking videos in general. I mean, I used yeah. to watch a lot more videos about how people did this and that. And now I've just seen so many of them. It's like, whatever. Um, yeah. So just videos, you know, like a video from a year ago that's been my uh, biggest success in the past 14 months or so is this one about the fan placement. It's yeah. got four and a half million views now. And just a video recently, um, I took apart this. 
I picked a, uh, a window air conditioner off the curb. Figured, oh, I might be able to fix it. I couldn't. So then I took it apart, and it's like, well, this compressor is actually kind of an interesting part. Like, I can get crazy amounts of pressure out of it. And we want to make a video about it, and that one has done, this is just on my Matthias Random Stuff channel, but that's been my most successful video in the last little while too. And it wasn't really woodworking at all, except for, well, I need some kind of pressure fitting to connect the output pipe to my pressure meter and such. So it's like, well, you know, I'm not a machinist, so I'll just take a block of wood and I'll drill a few holes in it, and that did the job. That was on your Matthias's Random Stuff channel, which I think is about... That's it, 157,000 yeah. subscribers on it. And I noticed that the about line on, on YouTube for that is like, this is my odds and ends channel, which doesn't, um, where, where I post videos that don't fit on my main channel. However, Matthias, I would submit that your main channel is a bit more of a hodgepodge than perhaps you, you, you are willing to acknowledge. Do you, have you loosened those, uh, you know, boundaries? Uh, and do you just kind of throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks? Or do you actually have a, a, a master plan in the background? Well, I think, was it earlier this year or some point? At some point I decided it's like that the Random Stuff channel, despite having the 10th of subscribers, was really quite comparable in size to the main channel. Not in terms of subscribers, not in terms of cumulative views, but in terms of how well mm -hmm. a new video will do. Um, so at this point, it wasn't so much about this video isn't worthy of the main channel. If it's if it's something that gets an audience, it'll get it on that channel as well, because the subscriber count doesn't really matter very much anymore. And the cumulative view count, of course, you know, that's a nice brag number, but that doesn't help <laughs> you get future views. I think at some point in the past it did, but not nowadays. Well, especially with shorts thrown yeah. into the mix, you can get those accumulated views of <laughs> millions. Yeah, I wish they. Uh, I wish they would separate those numbers a bit. Yeah. It's like, wow, this guy's doing really well. It's like, oh, it's all shorts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and which is to say, it's like, yeah. I mean, I've had some shorts that did fairly well, not lately. Um, it's yeah, it, it inflates the numbers, but it doesn't doesn't make you any money. It doesn't really get you a lot of view time either, because of course, by definition, they're very short. Um, and I'm not sure if it even adds to your regular audience at all, um, because it's more of a tick back. You know, there's more of a TikTok type, sh very short attention span type of audience as opposed to more of a long form audience. You, you gave it a go for a while though, and it's been a couple months since I've seen you post a short. Is that deliberate? Uh, did, did you because you had great success? Most most of them yeah, did like five hundred or seven hundred thousand views, so it certainly wasn't a matter of engagement. Except for perhaps the ones that YouTube the shoes weren't worthy to show ah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> So the last few shorts I did really were quite disappointing. Um, and then my real, I think, did we talk, I talked with Steve, I think about this at some point, like I had this one oh, yeah. that was supposed to be a short and it was six frames too long. So YouTube decided that it wasn't a short and I didn't realize it wasn't a short until it was like at least an hour in, at which point like you're really jinxing it by re-uploading. So it's like, well, just leave it. And it went on to do quite well. Now, as a short, I would imagine it could have gone much better. We just don't know. Um, but it ended up making, I think at this point, $1,700. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Canadian, Canadian. So it's that's, about, you know, it's about Steve, that's not real. Hundred, yeah, like, hundred bucks <laughs> American. Yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> A bit more than that. But, but well, that's way um, crazier than you would have gotten with millions times. of shorts mm -hmm. views. 
Exactly. Like, like uh, at this point, like, especially, and then they went to the shorts viewer, which I hate and my audience hates. Um, and apparently there's a Chrome, there's some web plugins to basically not show the shorts in the shorts viewer. Oh, on the desktop. Yeah. So, yeah. Even if it's a short, sometimes I just want to skip forward or sometimes I want to skip back. Oh, right. Um, yeah, and, and I'm not big on mobile and I hate the, you know, so I like the idea of doing short form content. What I didn't like is mm-hmm. mobile focus. What I didn't like is the vertical format. What I didn't like is that there's no ad revenue. And so it's like, okay, well, then just make short yeah. YouTube videos. Yeah. Do you think you'd jump on it if there, if it does start to generate ad revenue in some way? I don't see how they can. Like, yeah. if I've, uh, I was Googling, like, TikTok apparently pays abysmally low, too. So what you get out of shorts. Yeah, it's a, they also do fun. the fund thing. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so I don't think, uh, I just don't think there's a lot of money in that because it's a very... You know, people just kind of scroll through it on their phones and, you know, like it's just so distraction based so that you're not going to get somebody's real attention and thinking about stuff and clicking through anything. So I don't see how they can really monetize that very well. I think, yeah, I think the only way you can do it is with some sort of a fund because the only way you can run ads is you you cannot run an ad before Mm -hmm. every single video. It would ruin the entire experience they're trying to to promote is just flipping yeah. through video after video. So maybe every six or seven videos you get an ad or something, then it matters. Then it's like it's a question of, okay, which one of those videos gets that revenue? So the only, I think the only way they can do it is by creating this fund and kind of like distributing yeah, yeah. it by some sort of map. Yeah, and I worked out what my CPM was based on the, sh- I mean, it used to be, you know, like you'd give you a hundred bucks or something in you know, some round number, but then the last few times it's like, okay, we got seventeen ninety five for you. Or something like that. Then you work out, it's like, okay, so divide that by the number of views and the CPM. I think I said in that one video that it was like, you know, maybe 20 cents CPM, but I think it's actually, I miscalculated, it's actually lower, substantially lower than that. At which point it's like, okay, so if I have a short that does well with my regular audience, it's like, you know, it gets 100,000 views, which is fairly successful at this point for me. That's $10. At which point it's like, okay, why bother? Well, you hold on. You've done videos which are a minute and one second long, and you've been paid 10 times the amount that a short would. So why wouldn't you just keep doubling down on that? Why don't you just make a bunch of one minute and three second videos and keep making $1,500 a pop? Well, yeah. Well, and I have been doing a bit more of that. So a recent video on that is it's just reissuing some old videos, really, really edited down um, because, you know, I... People, you know, short attention span kind of thing. Let's see, what was that one? I actually have to pop up the browser to figure out which. Well, I'll tell you what the lure is to the shorts is followers. People would rather have followers than dollars, I think. In a it's, lot of it's cases, a nice that's ego really number. what they want. So mm-hmm. I did one about the building an air raid siren. That one did, uh, got close to 300,000 views. Uh, is that a new siren? That's or is that the, old the old one, one and it re- made five hundred. You just repurposed it. Made five hundred bucks Canadian, so nice. you know, way more successful than a short. Again, it could have gotten way more views as a short, but I had a hard time getting it down even to four minutes. And I had the wasp sucking That's machine, right. and let's go. see yeah. that one. One twenty-seven. That one only made two hundred bucks, which is still way more than the short would make. And it's all new to people. Yeah, if I go back ten years, of course I will get everybody who's been watching me for ten minutes will comment that 
I remember that one kind of thing. <laughs> but um, they usually remember it fondly, so they don't really seem to mind either. I think yeah, yeah, if, if I go back been... far enough. Yeah. And so I think anything that's 10 years ago, 10 years old is fair game now, which is kind of coincides <laughs> with the uh, upping of my production quality. Um, yeah. So in 2012, I started filming with a better camera. Um, and then 2013, I think I went 1080. Yeah, I think that's about when I did too. I'm still shooting at 1080. I still haven't upgraded. <laughs> yeah, as a viewer, like I'm watching this on a 4K monitor, and you know, and, and I have a very decent internet connection at this point. You know, like I don't know, 100, 400 megabits or something. Yeah. Um, is that that's what it performs at? So it's like it'll go to it'll go to 4K if the video is 4K and I'm full screen on the monitor, which is like, oh, that's nice. So kind of like, why is this? I can see this guy's not 4K because it's not super crisp. No. Well, it's funny because when we record these podcasts, the video component of it, I can always tell the the different types of webcams. And so many people are on shooting on 4K webcam. And I'm editing and thinking, God, these webcams are getting better quality than I'm using on my stupid DSLR that I've had for years. I don't know. I, I keep saying I'm going to upgrade the thing, but I just haven't. Yeah, I upgraded to a better webcam was it a year ago or so. So this one does actually a fairly decent 1080, because a lot of them claim to be 1080, but they're you yeah. know it's, it's not a very good resolution for 1080. So at least on my screen, I think I'm a bit sharper than you are, Steve. But yeah. uh, that might be biased because of course mine is local and <laughs> right. That's not. The, yeah, that's just the connection we're on here. Yeah. Um, uh, Chad looks Chad looks a fair bit sharper, so I think your webcam is probably. A bit I have a five K. It's or, through an uh, it's through an iMac, so it's like a I think it's a five K. Five K web built in web. I know. I got an it's extra K. Got an extra K. You are a big analytical uh, uh, researcher. You like uh, deep diving on your analytics. I wanted to ask you what percentage of people who watch your videos now are subscribed to your channel? Oh, it's some small percentage. So sort of think of it like a Venn diagram. You've got one circle of people that are subscribed and another one of people that are following and they overlap just a little bit. It seems in that if somebody is interested in you, YouTube will feeding, will keep feeding stuff from them even if you're not subscribed. And if you're subscribed, like unless you go to a subscription page, it really doesn't doesn't contribute that much to what it gives you in the feed. At this point, does it kind of feel like the audience is maybe a little foreign to you? Like, does it feel different than it was, say, in 2013 or 2014 when um, uh, you might have a very much more an engaged audience and it's much more based around your subscribers getting video. And now it's just kind of like your videos go into the wild. Does that change the way that you approach your videos or do you still approach your videos being familiar with the people that are watching them? Well, I, you know, I, back in 2013, it didn't feel like there was a engaged regular audience either. It felt most of the comments were just kind of drive by shooters. <laughs> Um, you know, fire and forget kind of thing. Um, so I can't say that it's gotten perhaps the opposite in some ways, because, you know, the people that really want to follow me are still around mm -hmm. the people that actually care and the drive by shooters kind of thing. You know, there's just so much more stuff out there that I'm getting a lot less of those. There really is a difference between a follower and a subscriber, though. It sort of makes me think maybe that's what YouTube was originally trying to do back when they had friends. Do you remember that? You could have a you could subscribe oh, to oh, a channel yeah, yeah. or you could friend. 
a channel. <laughs> Maybe we need to bring back that. Because it was, everybody's trying to be a social right. network. Maybe you should like, you could be a follower, but you, you lose your follower status if you don't watch a video after every third video or something, <laughs> you know, you could just be a subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> How often do your projects start from stuff you found on the side of the road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a fair number, like furniture repair type things. People love that stuff. Yeah, and some of those, um, there was, uh, I fixed this glider rocker, which I was kind of like, yeah, I might as well make a video of it. And it ended up, I mean, you know, stand, my standards are much lower for what is successful these days. But it went on, it continues to do fairly well. I guess these things keep breaking, so people keep searching for how to fix them. Um, not that they would necessarily fix it the way I fixed it, but, uh, so I was kind of like, well, maybe furniture repair is a thing. And so I found another rocking chair on the curb, um, which was like, Hey, this is, this is in perfect shape, except it creaks when you rock on it. I realized, um, and I was rather proud of, uh, a very innovative way of fixing that creak. That one hasn't done as well. I think it's just a little bit too advanced for most people, but then another one, a, uh, sort of a lazy boy type recliner mm -hmm. that the kids wanted. And okay, we actually dumped it into the uh, chariot stroller and made the kids walk. It's like, okay, sure, we'll take it home. I put it in a, put it in a double chariot and the kids <laughs> were walking. <laughs> Fix that one. That one's done. That one continues to do fairly well. I guess it's also perhaps a very common failure mode of these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just wasn't... Uh, the front edge of the seat that was just a couple of staples that held that together and so i think some you know if some heavy person sits on it with a bit of momentum it just pops apart it's going down well you just did the bunk bed too I, that looked like one that you kind of re oh yeah that came off the curb that too, was yeah. off the curb too yeah how do the kids like yeah. the bunk bed oh they love it it's gone over well you know it was just kind yeah. of i was kind of like you know if i could now put another bunk up here and like this could be really three-dimensional <laughs> of course i won't but uh, I know as a kid, I would have loved that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing like a bunk bed. Do your kids fight over who gets the top one or was that already established? That was determined by, uh, as parents, uh. um, like it's just, it, uh, the boys are in one room and it wasn't going to be the two year old that gets the top bunk. So yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Although at this point he knows so how to climb up there. He, he can't get back down, but he does get up there. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing furniture restoration? I mean, finding like beautiful old furniture that just needs restoration. I mean, there's some channels that do that really well, uh, not necessarily repairing it, but just kind of bringing it back to what it once was real furniture. I might if I found something that I thought was worth restoring, but I haven't uh, come across yeah. something like that yet. It's kind of tedious work. Yeah, certainly uh, stri stripping varnish and all that. And I'd be like... Mm -hmm. It's less work to just replace this part kind of thing. Right. Get out the panda router. Get out the panda router. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the state of woodworking videos right now? Do you have any opinions on that? Any thoughts about, do you watch a lot of kind of current videos, woodworking videos? I, I skip through them very quickly. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't sit back and watch. I kind of drag the slider around. <laughs> um, somebody was... Uh, my friend Paul was visiting and he's like, check out this video. It's like, this guy's experimenting about uh, making some insulation panel for his garage door. And he mentions you. And so I was like, he found the spot where he mentioned, he's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, and so I browsed through a few of his other videos and, you know, it was like uh, on the iPad and just dragging along. It's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And it's like, 
you know, it takes me like 15 seconds to find the thing. It's like, oh, okay, this is what I wanted to see. How he did this. Okay, I've seen it. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Here's what I think is the trend right now is sort of woodworking flexing. And it's it's been around for a while, but now it's like you put dollar signs in your thumbnail or in the in the title of the video, or it's like, I lost $10,000 making this table, or I spent $15,000 on this piece of wood. And literally, this is really popular right now. And these videos all seem to be doing really well. And I, I think this also, it seems like all roads lead to Mr. Beast, but it seems <laughs> like a lot of this is, is inspired by how much you spent, how much you right. risked, how much you, how much money you made. I spent so much, and then I, I made $15,000 dollar signs, thumbnails, and it seemed to me that's where woodworking videos Yeah, are. and certainly everything's gotten way more clickbaity. Like I was just, you know, like Four Eyes Woodworking is a channel I kind of peruse from time to time. And it's like, they said the junk, the slab was junk and yada, da, da, da. So it's like, yeah, maybe somebody said that, but it's like, it's the important thing is that it it's a catchy headline, except it doesn't work on me anymore. Do you push away from clickbait now? Do you intentionally not click something which really has like a clickbaity vibe to it? I'm just not interested. You're just not interested. Mm. Um, it's like, okay, so I don't care if somebody said this slab was junk. That this, to me, does not make it an interesting thing. It's like, so what? Yeah, so you use this slab that somebody thought wasn't worthwhile. Mm. And you put enough epoxy in the holes and whatnot that <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. I mean, I would be one of the people that said that was junk. Um, yeah. so it, to me, it's like, it's, or, you know, I made this $10,000 desk out of pallet wood or whatever. It's like, okay, so that doesn't make the desk any more interesting. That's the hook though. That's what people seem to want to watch is all these, it, it, how much you're spending or earning off of something. It all comes down to the, the money. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, doesn't appeal to me so much. So. Yeah, I really do think that like strict how-to videos are just pretty much dead on, on YouTube. I mean, they're there, but if you really want to have a go at YouTube, making how-to videos is not the way to go. Well, project videos, I think, is how-to if it's... If it's an interesting technique, that can still do. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I suppose if you if you're showing off some sort of unique way of doing something, but as far as how to make a certain project, I'll I'll keep dead. doing project videos because if I need to build something, it's like I might as well film it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And so, mm -hmm. like the most recent projects, the kids' wagon or the bed, um, or what was the one before that? It's like they they did uh, okay. Um, the re-leveling and weeding the patio did actually quite well. Um, yeah, that one. Um, and I think that's kind of like your sweet spot where it's like it. That doesn't sound like an interesting video, but because you're doing it, you know, it's going to be an interesting. It's video. it's a novel technique. So it's got that, although I didn't, you know, use the arrows and exclamation marks and whatnot. Um, yeah. Although so I made two. First one was about the vacuum lifter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to lift those big pieces up and the, the that one actually pavers. did better but then it's like okay i still got to do the patio especially because a lot of people is like ah oh, well you just lifted six stones like Pff. so it's like oh well I, and i still wanted to do the patio that was you know so again i was doing it anyway I, I wanted to do the patio anyway so i filmed it and there wasn't really anything as catchy about that one other than the fact that i actually used the uh, contraption um and it was far enough from the first one that maybe it wasn't uh 
it wasn't as repetitive as it could have been. And I figured also it might be something that people actually need to do. So if it's if it's sort of a a fix that a, prob- a lot of people have, and it's like, well, patios get weedy. It just happens. And if you're not prepared to put lots of pesticides in the gaps, it's like, well, at some point you got to do something about it. I, I feel like I'm just so exhausted with trying to come up with titles and thumbnails for videos. And I don't feel like I used to feel this way to this extent that now is just it just almost I dread trying to come up with a title for a video because I know that's all that matters really is what has people are going to click on the, the title and thumbnail combination. And like I did this whole the documentary thing from, you know, that was a year ago when I, I talked to you for that thing and I completely shelved that project and then came back to it. But, oh my God, I, I, I knew it wasn't going to get huge views because it's too like inside baseball niche kind of thing. But just, to, what, what do I do? I can't put like dollar signs in this. And I mean, I guess I could, but it just feels so wrong or so disingenuous to put so much crap in there so i basically titled it you know this is a documentary about youtube woodworkers which is not drawing in the view so it's sitting at like six out of the past 10 which is about what i expected it's like eh, oh that's not bad it's not too bad it's just it's frustrating it's when especially when i i think but i'm going to keep doing that kind of stuff because i love it i think that's what i have to do everybody says do what you love and well I had a lot of fun doing this. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's sometimes good advice. I'm just looking for yeah, it's, documentary. It's, good advice. It's, it's good advice for your, your personal well-being. It's bad advice for, for business, I guess. <laughs> just do what you love. I can't even find, I'm just looking in your stream here. I can't even uh, find it. That says a lot, doesn't it? The documentary. <laughs> Maybe they've censored it. <laughs> And so it does, it's sort of, I thought it was going to be like clickbaity. What was the first woodworking video in the, in the thumbnail? And I thought, yeah, that might be kind of interesting. I found kind of a crazy picture, but uh, nothing. Oh, you know what? I haven't seen this one yet because you posted that one while we were out camping. Oh, okay. And so, um, I Oh, well, it's got you in it. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Now you got to. Remember that was a it was a year ago we over a year ago and I I thought I had this big grandiose idea for this documentary and then I got so overwhelmed with it with all of this footage I shot of all these interviews and then I just stopped and then I revisited it just like a month ago and I'm like you know this is some pretty good stuff and I had a whole different approach to it and I thought I don't have to include so much all I got to do is find the the cleverest sound bites that people said, take those little clips out. And then what I noticed is that different people would kind of say things that were similar to each other. And I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of, that flows into that. It kind of makes sense. And with that understanding of how to make this type of video, now I feel like I've unlocked the the key to doing these. And so it was really fun. You shoot a ton of stuff and then use 1% of it. (laughs) That's That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think you're in it for probably 30 seconds total, you know. But you had some, you had some great little quips, little, little pearls of wisdom in there that I think. <laughs> in terms of the clickbaity type of things, like to me right now, because I'm aiming much lower, like you know, I, I just I don't want to be part of the fray of uh, dollar signs and you won't believe and da 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 type titles. 
So to just go for a more niche type of things, so the fan blowing through the air uh, through the window kind of video, that was I hit the jackpot on that. It was a niche, but it was a very it was an unanswered question that a lot of people had. Um, or like a video recently, somebody gave me a dryer motor. Somebody got rid of his dryer and saved the motors. Like you want it? I was like and I was like, ah, oh, you know, people might want to reuse one of these motors, so. I'll make a video about you know just figuring out the wiring for this motor because I just had the motor, um, you know, figure out from just probing around which way does it wire up, um, which I figured might be useful. And people may want to reuse a dryer motor. It's like, well, how do I wire the damn thing up? Um, so just to go for stuff like that. That's the same with the air conditioner compressor. It's it's something that is not going to appeal to ninety nine point nine percent of the people, but hopefully you know like that somebody searches for it so i'm actually to some extent going back to trying to hit the search in some ways um it's just i'm you know i'm not looking to get two hundred thousand on every video it's like if it keeps getting you know a thousand a few thousand video views a month then that's at least it's got that long tail um because yeah i just i i can't get myself to go quite for this uh clickbaity title thing uh, is is a, a, an arc is a good an example is a good example of an archive video the Shilex head versus HSS planar head comparative test which sounds like an amazing video I don't know why I didn't click on that one <laughs> but uh, that has four hundred thousand views so is that uh, is that because what you were doing is literally just unique and that's clearly going to attract that or is that something. Uh, which already your audience is interested in. How, how, how did that video get so much traction? Well, that's another, like people buy these planer heads and then it's like, are they much better kind of thing? So there's lots of videos about, you know, before and after with their planers and all that, but nobody's quite as methodical about comparing. And so I was very careful to, uh, problem is it's hard to go back and forth. So I was very careful getting before tests that I could then reproduce as after tests and like having a motor to pull the thing through. So I was pulling it through at a consistent speed. And like what I, what surprised me is that the Shelix head requires twice the power. I mean, anecdotally, everybody says, yeah, they require more power. I didn't realize it was double. Um, so, you know, it's, it's another comparison. Those sort of videos tend to do well. And I've, I've got something that others don't have in that I've got numbers uh, a bit more methodical comparison than most people would do. So I figured that one would do well. It did better than I thought it would. But again, it's going for a niche. It's well, you know who does really well at that is Project Farm. And Project Farm, because I always wonder how, it doesn't seem to matter what he's comparing or what he's reviewing, what kind of products. He always consistently gets a lot of views on those, whether it's like, which is the best pair of pliers? or, or And it could be really obscure things but people still watch those yeah videos. i've i know um and i don't watch that many of his videos because it's like okay so i don't necessarily yeah i just cons- cut to the chase i, I kind of wonder what his retention is because i always just kind of jump to the end of them and just to see kind of what how it turns out yeah but so yeah, I've, I've watched some of his videos um you know he's done one he's also done one with glue tests yeah uh, but although i'm kind of like okay this isn't super well controlled how you did the test yeah. But he gets more views, um, and he kind of, I guess, satisfies a niche. So yeah, he he must have regular followers because I can't, you know, because he consistently does well. 
Right. Um, but why would you? Yeah, that's what I mean. It, and it doesn't matter what he's testing. It could be anything, which seems odd to me that it's not just tools. It could be all kinds of things. He yeah. Tests. Hmm. I guess just to be consistent and specializing in that sort of thing, like I'm kind of more all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't. I just couldn't do this myself in that it just, to me, it's like, okay, so German pliers versus American pliers is like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I personally don't find it that interesting. Right. <laughs> when you meet people and uh, they find out you have a YouTube channel, how do you explain what your YouTube channel is about to them? Uh, I just tell them it's about woodworking. You keep it I simple. videos about woodworking. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Do your neighbors, and they ask, what do you make, yeah, right? Yeah, some of them do, yeah. I say mostly useless stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about your neighbors? Neighbors know what you do? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like 99% of the people, they're not that interested in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking to J.J. McCullough last week about this, and it was kind of the same way. It's like... People find what about it you do is interesting is different for everybody. And for me, mostly people find the woodworking part interesting. And, and then I, I don't want to tell them, but I don't really do a whole lot of woodworking. <laughs> really. I flick a tape measure a million hundred times. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just dumb. <laughs> is, it, is it the success of the YouTube channels through all the years that has actually affected your interest in woodworking? Well, it's been like just the YouTube audiences. In some ways, it's a justification and also kind of gives me reason to kind of formalize things a bit more. So I sort of think of it as like, you know, a a researcher, you know, the end result is a paper Mm -hmm. that summarizes the results. Uh, As much as it'd be in some ways easier to write a sort of paper about it because you can just kind of start and stop working on that anytime. You don't have to be in the right kind of mood or... You know, like you don't have to, you can edit, whereas videos, if if what you shot is crap, you can't polish it. <laughs> you can't polish that afterwards in the edit. Um, so um, it gives me a reason to kind of like summarize the results and formalize it. And it's like, okay, this is done, closed off. Here's the results, organized kind of thing. Whereas if I just myself for my, you know, if I just try something out myself, I'm like, okay, this works this way. Okay. So I guess since this is, this is a bit stronger than that, but I don't say it's like, this is this many percent stronger. I don't necessarily do like, you know, five samples of each in the test to make sure that my, that I have some kind of confidence in that the test is valid, that sort of thing. Are your videos, do you think the videos you make now are just as good or better than they were in 2017? Oh, Better than 2012, for sure. Yeah. Um, just like I look at it now, it's like I, I edit much more tightly. Yeah. Uh, 2017, my video quality hasn't gotten any better since then. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like back in that period of time, kind of the golden age of YouTube, every video to me felt so precious and crafted and, and well and then after a while, it just gets like, I, I don't even remember them. You know, I'm just, I feel like I sort of would cranking them out. If I go back to a video from back then, it's like I would edit it more tightly now. But yeah. then the audience's attention span was longer back then too, I think. You know, people were still, 
you know the new yankee workshop wasn't that long ago and those videos mm -hmm. are very drawn out compared to what <laughs> hard to watch yeah. now huh yeah yeah <laughs> when you were on the when you were on the podcast last you talked about um be, just being tired of youtube and i believe if i remember correctly you were kind of like i'm at my wits end and i think that was i don't know six months ago or whenever it was where are you right now with youtube and like looking at the next six months ahead is it just like i'll figure it out while i go or do you have some interest in tackling something different or approaching something new or, or doing anything to get out of that mindset of just kind of being stuck in a rut oh well perhaps i'm not as invested in it also maybe a year ago my year over year was low and now it seems to have bottomed out perhaps <laughs> Um, and also, you know, look at my main channel is not nowhere where it used to be. Um, but then it's like the other old timer YouTubers that aren't doing shorts. I mean, Steve, I don't know in terms of your non shorts views, it'd be nice to see a graph. Oh, they're graph. way down. They're way different. It's way worse than it used to be. And I think it's just a lot of it is just people get tired of you after a while, you know, and then. I, I don't, especially with so many new people jumping in with the, you know, expensive tables and epoxy projects and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. just a different, different audience coming in. I go on vids.x.com and I pop up like, uh, I like to make stuff or Jimmy DeResta. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're in a similar sort of trajectory. It's like the old, old timers are declining. Yeah. Just having, you know, we obviously have some experience that helps us, but uh, the newness of somebody is perhaps more valuable than the experience. Yeah, you can look at all of the channels of like our era. And at, at this point, most of us are happy to get, if, if I get 100,000 views on a video, I'm happy. You know, <laughs> that was used to not be that way at all. 100,000, I'd be really disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same here. It's like a hundred thousand. It's like woohoo, success! That would be like a million. <laughs> yeah. That was like a million. That was a million back in the days, right? Yeah, <laughs> not quite, but yeah, yeah. I think it's easy also to kind of feel like oh, it's so frustrating. We see these people who've only been on the platform for a year or two doing so well, but it doesn't bother me so much. I, I just kind of feel like I've found my place that I'm I'm happy with. I earn an okay income off of YouTube, but I've got other things earning way better money. So I can, I feel like I don't have that pressure anymore. I can post whenever I want. I don't have to do weekly videos, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you look at, again, Jimmy Dresser or uh, I like to make stuff like the YouTube is just part of their income, but it's still very central. Like that is, yeah. If you took away the YouTube, the other stuff would fade out and probably for you too, that's your lead kind of. Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah, without the YouTube, because that's what feeds. I think the sales of everything mostly comes from YouTube, although now Facebook does quite a bit too, but I don't know. What's the, hey, what's the Roku thing you were talking about? I meant to ask you about that. Oh, so, I heard on that was the uh, Making It podcast. They mentioned, uh, I think Jimmy DeResta mentioned about, well, you know, lost some of this and that but then i got a nice payment from roku and it's like oh that's and i'm like huh maybe i should i think i've been approached by roku at some point and like there's so many youtube alternatives and you know for most of them it's just not worth it to investing the time to even get your stuff on there never mind making anything for them yeah um but given that mention perhaps this one is worth uh 
pursuing. I haven't haven't had the time to look into it yet, but I really should. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is because Roku is just a streaming box, basically, or a stick. You know, it's not. Although they do have like the Roku channel, which I never really watch. But I also noticed on the Roku home screen where you have all of your channels, Netflix, Amazon, whatever, to the right, there's always an ad. And they had one the other day that had like making channels or something like that. And it was just like a this old house, I guess, but is 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 curating videos for because it had Jimmy Dresta's picture on there and Laura Kampf. And I think all they're doing is just bringing in their videos onto this service. I don't know why people would want to watch it, I guess. Maybe I can't imagine it getting a lot of attention. Well, yeah, it's I should I should at least look into it. I uh, yeah, I got approached by Rumble. Uh, couple months yeah. ago that's like, everybody who's all grumpy with youtube is like oh, we're gonna start yeah i've actually i had just one email though it's like i'm so ticked off at youtube you know because of of course they do enforce their uh philosophy their political philosophy a little bit less so than other social networks but that certainly ticks some people off and i can't watch youtube anymore because blah 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 are you on you know a bit shooter whatever yeah. and i mm. Anyways, Rumble approached me, so it's like, and I'd heard of Rumble, you know, and they've got some backing at this point, and I think their main cachet is hosting videos that uh, are too edgy for YouTube, mm -hmm. yeah, in that they're too politically incorrect, or ask questions that you shouldn't ask kind of thing. <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought, it's like, okay, it's, I could upload some on there, and it turns out they can just mirror your channel. Although it, mm. it, it goes very slowly. So far, they've only mirrored 100 of my videos, but the average view count, the top view count, the top view count of those videos, my top video, I think, on Rumble is still under 10 views. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all worth it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get the feeling that, because I get the same comments from people like, I, I'm done with YouTube. I, I go over to, to Rumble and I'm never using this platform for whatever political agenda they have going. And I always think, well, why are you throwing out the baby with the bathwater? If you don't like one, it's, I don't know. It just seems like you can still watch videos. It's not like your one, I'm leaving YouTube is going to make a dent in anything that YouTube does. No, yeah. And the discoverability, it occurred to me like Rumble, even if, let's say suddenly you take all the Google engineers and all the Google technology and give it to Rumble, they still wouldn't be able to do as well because they just don't have the data to figure out what, you know, to feed the algorithms. That's if they had the algorithms, which they probably don't because Google spent a lot of time figuring out how to figure out what you might like. Yeah, and really Google is a data collection company. That's really what they do is they collect data. And then with that, then they can do all these amazing things. And frankly, the YouTube algorithm works for the most part pretty well. I mean, I, I notice I get videos that I generally like. I don't get a lot of random videos that I have no interest in at all. So it, it seems to work. Yeah, I, I hear quite a few people complaining about how the algorithm sucks, but I find actually it's it's quite good. At, of course, it's going to suggest some stuff that you totally don't like because they, you know, you, yeah. you got to. It's always learning. It's got to figure out, you know, you might like this thing that's completely off the wall. Chances are you don't, but if you you never find out if you don't suggest it at some point. 
Um, so the fact that a majority of videos that they suggest is something that I might actually want to watch, or even if it's like one in five videos that I want to watch that they suggest, that's a pretty damn good hit rate out of all the billions of videos that are out there. Yeah, yeah. And you can work with that yourself, just like, I mean, I don't get, for instance, family vlogger recommendations but if i if i'm doing research on that i'll just use an incognito window because i don't want youtube to know i'm oh, searching gosh. for them. god forbid i'll get uh. all this content you know yeah. uh i have both of you here so i'm going to ask both of you this question because i'm sure there's maybe at least someone who's listening who would who would who would ask the same question both of you have been doing this for an incredibly long time you basically forged this space on youtube you have graduated your channels and done this long enough to try something new with the shorts. And this is a shorts related question because Steve, you've had incredible success with shorts and Matthias, even though you've only kind of gave it a short focused effort, you clearly had really good results with it. Why not just continue to do that? Well, like they're, they're so easy to make. And if it's literally the, the most common commodity, why not figure out how to make shorts be what you want them to be and just keep bringing in those new viewers well for me i just think because those viewers aren't really helping me in any way i don't think the shorts are really helping other than it increases the subscriber number and view counts big deal if they're not paying me i mean so the way i look at shorts is they're they're useful for other purposes and just they're fun to make. It's, it's a lot more like if I'm doing these couple of step stools, prototypes, it's easy. I can just shoot those, put them up there, see what people think of them and that sort of thing. But I, I think that if I wanted to focus on short form content like that, I would focus on TikTok or Instagram. I just uh, personally like shorts as a creator has not worked for me lately. Um, perhaps... Um, you know, you need to build a separate shorts audience, which I, I guess I haven't hit any, been hitting it enough. And it's not my main focus. So as, as a creator, it, it kind of stopped working for me. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps it's an algorithm change or perhaps it's just, you know, other people have figured out the shorts thing better than I have. And as a viewer, most shorts, I you know, if I click on the short and of course, you know, then you're in the shorts feed. And usually the next, you know, like there's like five videos that will suggest and then it repeats and yeah. they're not really that interesting. So there's one creator that I do watch his shorts of and that's a guy, uh, Ryan Macbeth. He's a software developer, ex-military guy, and he talks a lot about uh, analyzing stuff, what's happening in Ukraine. Um, and, you know, and I see, oh, this is a short, so I know it's going to be shortened to the point and I like that. Uh, but it's mostly him talking. So that's the only one where I actually like, I like clicking on the short as opposed to ugh, another short. Yeah. There, there's certain channels that are just suited for it really well. And people who just know how to use that format, it's like the perfect format for what they're doing. And then others, I, I look at, I mentioned this before, but the woodworking reels on Instagram, they're shorts. And it's just so cringe. These guys are just trying to be like TikTok stars and they're in their shops kind of dancing around and lip syncing. And I think oh. this is, this is woodworking. This now. is, this is where we are. And I'm, 
I'll, I'll, I'll ask Steve. You said like if I wanted to do that, I would just go on TikTok. But I'm going to assume that you still don't go on TikTok to do that. All I have the TikTok. I uploaded all of my shorts over there. It did really well. I don't. I never even look at TikTok anymore unless I'm going to upload a video, a short. But it's. I don't understand it fully. I don't really get it. I think that the numbers there are fake. I think they pump you up with followers real fast. And I've talked to a number of people who have had the same thing. I mean, I went from like zero to 40,000 followers just with a few videos. And then all of a sudden it flatlined. Every video I uploaded was just, you know, crickets. Nobody watching them. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, they're using the algorithm not just to play the audience, but to play the creators too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, I really think that these things are all coming down to, this this social validation that people really want followers i think that's the the ace in the hole for youtube and all these places is like we don't have to pay these creators money really they can go out and get brand deals if they want we don't have to pay them anything because we're they're satisfied with that follower count you know i used to get excited about the growth and all that um but, you know, I've kind of like, you know, the growth, it's, it's plateaus. And at this point, it's like, you got to milk it. If it doesn't milk, it's <laughs> like, the, don't worry about the future. It's got to perform now. And if it doesn't, what's the point? Uh, spons- Do you still get approached by sponsors or is that, uh, are those days long gone after COVID? Oh, there's a lot more than there used to be. Oh, so it's in reverse, like quality sponsorship or just volume? <laughs> yeah, weird well, Chinese... most of the stuff is like, we'll send you a cordless drill and please do a review yeah. on it. It's like, <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there is. So I've done a few sponsored videos for Drio and that's worked out well. And they're, they're quite happy with, with the videos as well. I'll probably do more for those guys as well. Um, and the EcoFlow, although I kind of, I think I ticked those guys off a bit. Um, That's why they love you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, there's basically a, a flaw in their product, which destroyed a small piece of electronics for me on account of that flaw. And I'm kind of like, you guys, you know, so should I tell people don't do this and this because that'll blow something up? Or <laughs> should we, you know, best would be if you guys just fixed it. Um, (laughs) I didn't like that (laughs) well they should know that they should know that stuff you know so I'm I just reviewed I was like I should do a video about that I was like I'm at this point they've kind of ghosted me so at this point and I just reviewed it's like oh yeah the contract was only for six months so I'm way way off of that and they haven't replied to any emails so I think I may uh, make a video about the flaw which isn't uh, I mean you're unlikely to hit it it's just I hit it I, I destroyed my kilowatt power meter with it um mm. and so i'm kind of like well what else could this destroy do i trust it um and it depends on how you use it the way most people use it it's not a problem but if you're trying to back up your whole house with it which is what they're suggesting then this can become more of a problem because it's like oh okay so you used your circular saw and now your internet of things light bulbs don't work anymore maybe that's not good it could be. I, I don't know if they're vulnerable that way. Certainly, if you have a kilowatt meter plugged in, it'll <laughs> it'll it'll stop working. Well, if you need to, you can always take it apart, pour some epoxy on it, and make it stable. And get a million. Oh, speaking games. of like, uh, just recently, I was tempted to uh, 
have you been approached by those guys? You know, they they give you a frame and you're supposed to take apart your old phone and glue all the stuff in there, almost like a butterfly collection type of thing and hang it on no. the wall. No. And, and I realized it's like, okay, it's not so much about the frame. They also, I think they give you a label sheet because like in all the pictures, everything is very carefully labeled. So they even have a sheet of where all the parts go. So you can hang all the pieces of your busted uh, cell phone on the wall. Um, which I was kind of like, ah, I could, I need to replace the screen on my wife's iPad and I could then sort of segue into that. So if it didn't work, I could just put it in one of these frames, right? <laughs> but then it's like, okay, how much, how much do you guys pay? It's like, oh, never mind, not worth it. I don't get a whole lot of good brand sponsorship offers anymore. It used to be a lot more. Now I get really crappy ones, you know, but and I don't know why that is. I think it was because I probably stopped doing those sponsorships that they probably just... Are you talking the mattresses and the razors? Uh, well, those were pretty good. That was yeah. certainly a time. It, it, anything like that. Was that. The yeah, that was... That was you know, audible, that's what you should have done on Casper. that. Audible. Well, the bunk bed. You should have oh, to deal with it. Yeah, well, they haven't been approaching me. And I just... I, I, I don't know if they're... Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't see the mattress ads anymore, so... No, they, that was kind of a that's kind of a passe thing now. It seems like on YouTube, even Audible. I don't see yeah. Audible. Yeah, so I don't anymore. think I don't think they'd even be sponsoring. No, like they probably kind no. of. And there's and, others. I think the major ones you see that everybody does is what Squarespace mm-hmm. or NordVPN. It's uh, a pretty popular. Yeah, yeah VPN I was going to do NordVPN. I did an ad read for them. I didn't cover all the points. Yeah. And took for a long time to, I have a hard time doing that sort of thing. And no, they were quite happy with how it was. And I was like, you know what? I just don't have time to do this right now. So take it or leave yeah. it. And then. Did, did they go with it? Did they take it or leave it? No. And and then it's like, you know, you keep reading about NordVPN being hacked and like how VPNs are really yeah. kind of a scam. They are kind of useful in some ways. Um, and they keep approaching me with deals for, oh, you can get for this, for this, blah, blah, blah. And a VPN can be useful sometimes just to see like what does this website look like if you're coming if i'm coming from the us or something like that or just in terms of preventing the big tech from getting data about you Mm -hmm. um so that was sort of my angle but yeah they weren't quite happy with it and i'm just like okay it would have paid fairly well but i was just kind of like i just just don't like doing it yeah that's kind of where that's kind of where I am with the sponsor deals. It's like at this point, you see, you got to pay a lot for me to make it even to make me interested in it. You know, I'm not going to do it for what a thousand dollars or something. Right. You know, it's just a waste of time. It's, I can make that money doing other things and not have to go through that stress. And there are a lot sponsors are a lot more difficult to deal with, I think than they used to be it used to be when I was doing those spots, they would kind of let me do whatever I want. But whenever, like I did one of those Nord spots within the last year or so, I think. And yeah, you're right. They were very particular about what I said. So I just pretty much did a straight read. Anytime you're going through an agency, like there's no flexibility. No. Um, but no. like the Rio, they're a Chinese company. It turns out, it seems that every time I'm kind of inclined to do one, it's a Chinese company because I'm more interested in physical goods. Yeah. 
Like, if I want an American company, it's Mattresses, Razors, Raid Shadow Legends, NordVPN. Raid <laughs> Shadow <laughs> Legends and Razors. That one, yeah. You're absolutely right. If you want to find out who's paying, just watch, like, a Drew Gooden or, like, a Danny Gonzalez. Like, one yeah. of the trending videos from the people who put those little kind of, like, uh, reaction videos together. Yeah. They'll always be, like, NordVPN or Fresh. Hello Fresh or anyways. Hello oh, Fresh yeah. Hello Fresh. Yeah. I think that's kind of... I've read somewhere these guys were a bit of a race to the bottom. Like they all were burning through their venture capital money because mm. there was too much venture capital money that was put into it. And you kind of have no choice. I did a number of those HelloFresh spots back in the day. And I actually loved it. I thought they were really good. It was tasty. It was easy to make. It was, they were really good. Well, it's always good talking to you, Matthias. I'm glad you could join us again. We'll do it again. We'll just keep it a regular, regular we'll, thing. We'll keep the seat warm for you. Somebody yeah. was saying that they're the record for how many times, or was it your other podcast? Yes. On the podcast? I believe right Kevin. now Kevin Espiritu is a five-timer, and I believe this is your fourth, third? Third or fourth. Well, I got some catching up to do. You do. Well, you also, yeah, <laughs> and you made it into Steve's documentary, so, like. Yeah, oh, that's I right. Watch that. Yeah, I got a clip from your very first video, the sliding around on, uh, on oh, the Oh, that's ice. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to see there was actually and not everybody got it but if you watch my video there's a story arc there and it starts with the beginning and it goes all the way up to 2017 and you, you can see how the philosophy of YouTubers has changed over that time you ended but, in 2017 yeah well it's because that's kind of when everything that was the end of I call it the golden era of YouTube after that I consider that I, co I coined the expression the influencer era. Sure, 2017 oh, okay. to 2020. Yeah, you don't want to end it with, and everything's gone to pot since. <laughs> well, it was sort of like then at that point, I, maybe I can make another one of that of, from like 2018 to 2020. It was basically so many people doing multiple ad reads and it was like every video was basically an ad for what they were doing. And, and obviously this wasn't everybody, but this was kind of the general vibe of the, the whole woodworking scene. And then 2020 brought in the COVID era, which changed everything, because that was all these brand new channels. So I think you have three videos out of this. It's the beginning to 2017, <laughs> 2017 to 2022, which was the peak kind yeah. of saturation, and then COVID, and then uh, what happened, 2022 and beyond. And we're writing that chapter right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right Matisse, it was great talking to you again okay <laughs>